The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. All right. You know what? Um, there has been a lot of attention over the past couple of years on extremist groups in North America and certainly right here in Canada. In the Globe and Mail, our next guest writes, Canada can't continue to give the Proud Boys and other extremist groups a free pass, but what meets the threshold for being labeled a terrorist group in Canada? Well, Jessica Davis is the president of Insight Threat Intelligence. She is a former senior strategic intelligence analyst with CSIS and the author of Women in Modern Terrorism. Jessica, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. All right, take a look. Uh, I, I, I'm, I, I'm guessing that this uh, editorial, this opinion piece that you, that you wrote um, stemmed from what happened in Washington last week. When you watched what was happening there, what was going through your mind? One of the first things that I thought when I was watching what was happening in Washington last week was what was the intent of what the what we can call rioters, I guess, at the moment. What was their intent in breaching the Capitol Hill and going in? Because a lot of their activity was starting to look like it was maybe going to fall under the definition of terrorist activity. Interesting. Okay, so um, let's let's maybe start um, you know, back it up a little bit because there's your your article outlined um, kind of how how it would be named, how a group like the Proud Boys would be named um, a, a terrorist entity, and, and that's what was really fascinating for me. Um, now, first off, if a group like the Proud Boys, was listed as a, a terrorist group. What would it do to them? What impact would it have on the organization? So the main effect of a terrorist listing in terms of listing a group is that it effectively seizes and freezes their assets. So any assets that are held in the name of a Proud Boys organization in Canada, any of their chapters, for instance, would immediately be frozen and seized by the bank. Now, this is an interesting one because it seems unlikely that they have a bunch of assets in their name at financial institutions across the country. Mm. It has follow-on effects, though. Um, the case of the Proud Boys is particularly interesting because a lot of their members have been publicly named. Um, you know, they've attended protests and been visit- visually identified by um, activists and have, in some cases, identified themselves. So if their overall organization was then designated as a terrorist group, it's very likely, in fact, probable that they would have a difficult time um, conducting financial activity in Canada. Banks would be incentivized to close their accounts and essentially de-risk or debank them. Okay, so the Proud Boy, how big is, is the organization in Canada? because membership is really quite fluid. There's a number of different levels of membership um, and chapters are, have been closing pretty quickly since the uh, events on Capitol Hill. And even before that, it was difficult to get a bit of a count. There are chapters in, I would say, at least between half a dozen and a dozen cities in, across Canada. And those chapters could be a handful of people or it could be a couple hundred people. 
Mm. Okay, so um, you write that the process of listing an entity involves establishing that the group has attempted, facilitated, or knowingly carrying, carried out terrorist activity, or that they collaborated with a terrorist entity. Jessica, and I have texts coming in right now saying, all right, prove to me what the organization has done in this country that would get them listed or could get them listed um, uh, as a terror as a terrorist group the first thing that's really important to point out is that the activity doesn't have to have happened in Canada so any of proud boy activity that's happened in the United States could count towards meeting that threshold um, so it's not restricted geographically like that you know for instance if we look at something like al-qaeda they were listed before they undertook any terrorist activity in Canada um, so you can we can ignore the geographic component. Okay. The other, the facts in terms of what they've done, that's where exactly, it's exactly right to question that because that's mm-hmm. where the technical aspect of the listing comes from. So from my research, the, the activities that would most likely meet the definition of terrorist activity would be politically or ideologically motivated assaults. They've undertaken a couple of those in the United States. It's been Proud Boy members that have been arrested for some very serious assaults um, that were targeted at um, racial minorities. Mm-hmm. And then the events themselves on Capitol Hill could also meet that definition. But I do want to say I'm not certain that the group could meet that threshold because you know it's, it's a pretty technical process you have to go through all the evidence and intelligence and, and collect that so it's an open yeah, question for me yeah but it's, it's just interesting the process on on how this works now having said that you, you say you know political ideology um assaults so if we go from that and i just want to go over you know to let's say extreme um you know left wing and i and i have people coming in saying well what about antifa what have you looked into about that group and could and you know because there's a lot of people who believe that they're um that it's not just a politically motivated group it is a terrorist organization depending on where you sit right yeah absolutely so and this is this is exactly it we need to be really the, the, the listings process does need to be improved to demonstrate more transparently how this applies across the political spectrum to yeah. take the case at antifa more specifically though and i know i've also seen a lot of uh, feedback on twitter about this um so antifa i would not characterize as a group per se first of all maybe a loose movement but even that is a bit strong and then a lot of the activity they may have been engaged in violence but um, some of the intent motive components i think you'd have a hard time proving those in terms of meeting that technical definition of terrorism and why is that why why would that be difficult Uh, because well certainly one piece of it is the the violence has to be serious and intending to cause death or serious bodily harm Um, there may be a couple of instant incidents that i can think of that could kind of come close on that front um the question they're also mostly involved in counter protests against other groups so the question is are they intending to influence the government or the public i think there's some open questions about that as well so i think there's a less strong case to be made for antifa Mm. But I do think that it's the kind of thing that greater transparency from the government would help to um, demonstrate to Canadians that this isn't being a politically motivated designation. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so in in Canada, have uh, you what other groups have been have been listed as as terrorist groups off the top of your head? It's a long list. So okay. uh, a couple of ones that people might be interested in, uh, Blood and Honor. So that's an extreme right group that was listed again. And if you look at Blair listing, it's quite interesting. There's two incidents that are listed, which is, um, again, politically or ideologically motivated assaults and a firebombing. And then the other groups that are listed are things like, you know, Al-Qaeda, the Islamic State, Al-Shabaab. Mm-hmm. Um, we've even got groups that have been listed in Latin America, so Sendero Luminoso, The Shining Path. Um, yeah, there's a lot of groups on the list. and. I would say, though, that there is a significant representation of that al-Qaeda and Islamic State-aligned ideology. Okay, so you, you talked a little bit about about the process and about um, what, um, the, you know, the process of listing um, a, a group. And so you talk about uh, intent uh, to cause death or seriously bo- serious bodily harm, for example. Once that is all done, what happens after that? Yeah, and this is where we get into a little bit of that political component. So the reports are drafted by um, law enforcement security services with input from the entire security and intelligence community in Canada. Then they're given to the minister. Um, The minister is ultimately responsible for making the recommendation to the governor and council, which is essentially cabinet, to make the final listing. So there is um, there's a bit of a political decision that's made there, but at the same time, I don't want to overemphasize that. Um, there, there does need to be ministerial responsibility for something of this magnitude, I think. I just want to go back to to something again because I mean my text line is blowing up here, Jessica, a little bit more, <laughs> um, and not surprising here because um, especially when it comes to Antifa. I mean, how do you, how do you determine be, between a, a a hate group and and a political movement and 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 and, and an ideology? Yeah, that's also. You know, it's not the clearest in terms of the criminal code and our definitions. Um, So there has been in recent years, I would say, a move towards seeing hate activity as political or ideologically motivated violence. So we have been sort of moving that along the spectrum. I would say that, you know, there's a lot of that started with that um, really terrible mosque shooting in Quebec City, where we, we really started to see that that hate-motivated violence is having a political or ideological angle. Uh, Jessica Davis joining us this afternoon. She's the president of Insight Threat Intelligence. She's a former senior strategic intelligence analyst with CSIS and uh, the author of Women in in Modern Terrorism. Jessica, what do you think is going to happen with with the Proud Boys? What, What do you think... Do you think that it's a, it's a real possibility or not that they could be listed as a terrorist group? That's a difficult thing for me to answer just because, you know, I haven't obviously done all of the, the research around that and I don't have access to the classified intelligence yeah. anymore. So yeah. I don't have a full picture of what <laughs> they, they're doing. I think that there's enough there to undertake that research. So I would be surprised if the government wasn't actively looking at this. Uh-huh. Whether or not they meet that technical threshold, you know, it's it'll turn on a bit of a, a bit of a nuance, I think.
Mm, interesting. Um, well, wanted to touch on this with you uh, as well when it when it comes to extremism uh, a little bit, and and I hope I'm not putting you on the on the spot here, but uh, we know that in the Canadian military there certainly has been uh, a spotlight, uh, Sean, on extremism, especially over the past uh, couple of years. Uh, General Vance, the Canada's top sur- soldier and the longest serving uh, top soldier, um, turned over the reins of his job to a new CDS. Yes. Yesterday. And, and in, in, an, in an interview, he talked about his work on trying to get uh, extremists uh, out of the military. From your research and from your knowledge, um, <laughs> I, I, I'm curious to know what you think about um, the Canadian military and and um, the concerns about extremism inside it um, with with some of the folks. Um, I mean, we certainly have seen it documented by a number of different um, uh, incidents over the past number number of years. Your thoughts on, on, on that, on extremism in the Canadian military? There is a direct tie-in to the Proud Boys, actually. There was an incident, I think it was out uh, on the East Coast. I won't say the name specifically because I can't remember all the details, but um, of a few members of the Canadian military being also members of the Proud Boys. So, you know, we do have some documented cases of um, Canadian military members adhering to extremist ideologies Mm -hmm. and being part of extremist groups. I think my biggest concern at the moment on this front is really how little we know about it. I don't think that the Canadian military has been particularly transparent about its efforts on this front, hasn't been transparent about its findings for some of these any, any internal investigations that it's undertaken. And we see very concerning reports from um, countries that I would consider to be like-minded, so the United States and Germany, about really deeply entrenched extremism in their militaries. And I think that gives me cause for concern. So we know that uh, just recently uh, the Department of National Defense launched a a four-member advisory panel to investigate and report on incidents of hate and racism within the Canadian uh, military. Uh, The Defense Minister announced this just a few weeks uh, back. They say it's an open-ended mandate to take a deep look within the department to uncover systemic discrimination, unconscious bias, and white supremacy. How do you think that that's going to work out when, you know, you talk about uh, the military itself not being all that upfront with its investigations and, um, and, 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 and telling people what's been going on in the first place. I think my, when, when I saw that, uh, that notification, I, my initial concern is really that the, the membership of that board is all former military members. And I think that that may lead them to miss some of the areas of cultural problems within the military that are out of step with Canadian society. So they may not see some sorts of behaviors and some sorts of activities as the problem that they are um, that, that are not accepted in mainstream society. So. You know, I have some reservations about that. I think generally the initiative is a good one, but I would have liked to have seen a couple of proper civilians appointed to that. 
interesting. Yeah, interesting point, Jessica. Thank you so much for joining me this afternoon. I sure appreciate your time. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you. Yeah, take care again, Jessica Davis. Uh, you can read her article in the in the Globe and Mail. What meets the threshold for being labeled a terrorist group in Canada? And again, you know, just I, I find it interesting, and because you know, it's not. You know, when you look at specifics. I know we all want the specifics and go, okay, well, if it applies here, does it apply over, you know, it has to apply over here as well.